Are you tired of spending hours listing cards for sale? Well, the ComC Marketplace is the easiest place to sell cards online. ComC will identify, scan, list, store, insure, package, and ship. Just send them the cards and they will take care of the rest. All you have to do is set the price. Visit ComC.com today to start selling your cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. I hope this next several minutes does something to help you increase the amount of enjoyment that you get from the hobby. Because I tell you what, our guest today, he is getting a lot of enjoyment out of the hobby, especially when it comes to collecting his favorite player. That's right, our Super Collector Series continues today with Kenny Hilliard, who is a Fred McGriff Super Collector. And that has meant so much more to him here just recently, as Fred McGriff is a recent inductee into the Hall of Fame and will be... Um, being enshrined here this coming summer. So Kenny is pretty excited that his lifelong journey of collecting Fred um, is going to pay off even more um, emotionally for him with with Fred being elected into the Hall of Fame. So that is what our main topic is going to be today. We're going to talk to Kenny and learn about his Fred McGriff Super Collection. Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Well, Kenny Hilliard has collected Fred McGriff for more than 30 years, and that means he's got over 47,000 cards. I've invited him here today to add his perspective to the obsessions that we continue to explore in our ongoing Super Collector series. So, Kenny, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. This 30-year journey has resulted in over 47,000 cards and 3,300 different items. What started it all? Well, back in the late 80s, uh, collecting just as, you know, a normal teenager opening packs and boxes and and stuff like that. And um, I grew up a Cardinal fan and still a Cardinal fan. But the late 80s, uh, they were starting to sell off um, some of their or most of their good players. So they were going into a downturn. And I was, you know, just looking for, you know, other players in the league that I liked and I you know, kept seeing this this Fred McGriff guy on Sports Center just hitting home run after home run after home run. And the, you know, mid to late 80 Cardinals didn't hit a lot of home runs as a team. So that was something, you know, very foreign uh, for us. So I ended up just, you know, following this guy and I, you know, really liked how he played the game. He was very quiet, never tried to show, you know, anybody up. I just liked the way he played the game. Um, you know, he was, he was quiet. He was professional about it. And so it just started from there. Uh, I had started tinkering, uh, you know, with, 
uh, being a player collector uh, already with, you know, a couple of uh, the Cardinal players. But like I said, they were starting to to trade some of those guys off. Uh, so I just had, uh, I started, you know, with McGriff uh, with the idea that it was going to be, you know, a, a player collection and try to try to get everything. And it just kind of, you know, went from there and, uh, you know, 35 years later or so, I'm still doing it. Who was he playing for at the time when you started to notice him? Uh, he was with the Blue Jays. So okay. 80, 88 was his uh, second full season. Uh, he had hit uh, 20 homers uh, in his, you know, in his rookie season. Uh, and then, you know, just started taking off uh, in the 88 season. And and that kind of that kind of drew me to him as well. Uh, you know, being in Texas, Canada was you know seemed very far away as a teenager, um, and so that kind of sparked interest in it. You know, as well that he was you know was playing in Toronto and and, and that you know sort of stuff. So that you know that just just helped matters. Uh, you know, for for my standpoint. Yeah, it's like you're not really betraying your team at that point. Rooting right. for somebody or, or being a fan of somebody else who's in the American League, at that point there wasn't even inter interleague play at, you know, at, at that point. So they, you know, they unless it got to the World Series, they were never gonna face each other at that point. So I can see why there's uh you know, it's you can have that that second favorite, I guess, on uh, on somebody that's in the other other uh league. Yeah, a absolutely. You know, and you know, it wouldn't become a, a problem for a while, but it, you know, it did raise its head in uh, 1996 when the Cardinals and Braves were in the NLCS. Um, so, you know, that got a little hairy. Uh, of course, I wanted the, the cards to win, but I was, you know, hoping McGriff went four for four with four homers every game. But, you know, uh, Braves ended up getting, you know, the best of the cards in 96, you know, which they should have, they were, they were a much better team at that point. So you were collecting McGriff. You said you were starting to go after as much as you could of him. Were you still collecting other Cardinals or, or anybody else along the way at that point? Or did that kind of shift your entire focus to, to being McGriff only? Yeah, it, it pretty much shifted the entire focus. Um, you know, I just, I just really, really liked the guy, you know, I was pretty much, you know, focusing on, you know, if, uh, if I was opening any product that, you know, I was just focusing on, on his cards uh, and stuff like that, you know, as we get into the kind of early to mid nineties, which with so much stuff uh, being introduced in the market, it shifted away from even opening packs and buying boxes and that sort of stuff where I was pretty much just buying singles uh, from dealers uh, and stuff like that. So did, did that kind of carry on throughout the the next 35 years or, or 30 to 35 years? Like, have, have you just been purely collecting McGriff then, or did you ever kind of work your way back into any other players or any other products or sets or anything like that? No, from a, from a collection standpoint, uh, from from baseball wise, it's it's since then it's only been McGriff, and it's pretty much still you know buying singles, you know pretty much on eBay these days. I can't tell you the last time I opened a box or even a pack of cards. From you know from that respect, uh, I do have a side collection of uh, '70s 
uh, basketball, uh, which I do still do some work on from time to time, especially when trying to find new McGriff items gets slow. But, you know, the last three or four years has been, you know, pretty strong uh, with, you know, McGriff McGriff stuff that I've been able to find. So I haven't had a, a whole lot of time for the, the 70s basketball stuff. So 47,000 cards, 3,300 different items. What types of items are are in there? Is that, you know, bobbleheads and other, you know, memorabilia game use type stuff? What what all is in this collection? Yeah, so I don't really do memorabilia just from storage uh, standpoint. So it is mostly like cards and issued items. Or it'll be, you know, stadium giveaway type stuff. So yeah, there's there's bobbleheads, there's uh, you know, marbles, I've got lunch boxes, school binders, like we're giving away at uh, a Dodger game, uh, the year he played with the Dodger, you know, pins, coins, you know, all 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 that sort of stuff. Out of that forty seven thousand cards, do you know which one you have the most of? I do. It's uh nineteen ninety score. Height of the junk wax era. I did not buy. I mean, I ended up with them, uh, but I did not buy all of the the number that I have. I have just over fourteen hundred of those, wow. and I, I think what happened is most of those uh, came in a another McGriff collection that I ended up buying uh, from an, from another guy, and I. My theory, and I don't know this for sure, but my theory was that he was trying to find the 1990 score promo uh, McGriff card, uh, which looks pretty much identical uh, to the the base card uh, from the 1990 set, except for on the back of the card, there's one line of uh, statistics missing since it was basically created uh, before the end of the 19. 19- uh, 89 season. So the 1989 stats are missing on the card. You don't see a whole lot of them. So I, I, I think he was trying to buy those, uh, you know, buy them in lots and, and tried to find the card, which he never did. You've got, you know, several thousand different McGriff cards. How many of the kind of total different, you know, do you have, you know, do you, have you figured out like what's the full checklist for, different McGriff cards and how many different ones you have out of that total? Yeah. So a a couple of things with that. Um, I think that the check, the master checklist I have right now is about 44, 4,400 items, uh, just over 4,400 items. And I am at right around 3,400 items different in my collection. When, when I collect McGriff, a lot of times, I, I do have one of ones, but I don't really focus uh, on one of ones just because, you know, you're never going to get them all. So most of the time, my focus in the collection are kind of playing days cards, you know, f- what I consider from his start, you know, in 85, 86 to 2005 is what I consider his playing days. And those are the, those are my main focus of cards that I tried to find. And then post playing days. Um, I will still go after, you know, if I get them at, at a good price and, and that sort of stuff. But I try to focus on any card numbered five or above, you know, five, if you'll have a reasonable shot at getting eventually, 
Sure. Uh, but like I said, the ones of ones, I, I buy them if the price is right. If, if not, then, you know, I kind of, kind of let them go. So I look at my collection in terms of basically how many, how many of the non one of one cards do I need? Mm-hmm. Uh, or that I'm looking for. And that's currently right now I have, I think right at 88% of all of the non one of ones. Very nice. Now, how do you go about trying to track those down? Do you use a variety of platforms. Do you have eBay alerts. Do you use trading card database and the kind of the groups there of kind of the want lists? Do you use forums or kind of a combination of everything? Uh, it's a combination of everything. I, uh, you know, I continuing to try to look, you know, for new resources. Uh, but like you mentioned, it's, it's mostly eBay. I do use trading card database. So I, I, I am out there, you know, sport lots is great for, you know, kind of non higher end stuff, at least for McGriff. Um, that is, I have used forms. Uh, as well. I found one card that at the time I really needed. I found it on Craigslist, which was kind of odd. To this date, it's still the one and only card I found on Craigslist. But yeah, a lot of different venues. And like I said, I've I've bought a couple cards off of a a site in Japan called Joust that, you know, just ended up having a couple. So always looking for, you know, newer markets and stuff like that to try to, you know, whittle down uh, you know, some more of these that I, you know, haven't been able to find for, you know, some reason or another. I know sometimes it can be like asking somebody if they've got a favorite child, but do you have a favorite card of his that, that uh, means the most to you? Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got two and they're, they are, they are oddball. So the first one is actually card number one uh, in in my database and on my master list. And it comes from McGriff's time playing uh, in the Dominican Winter League. The year he was there, they produced a sticker set that were basically sold in, you know, little, little sticker packs um, at the games. And that is considered his first issued you know, first individual issued item. Um, and so that predates his, you know, his TCMA uh, rookies in 85. It predates his 86 Donruss. That was an item uh, just because uh, it was before anybody knew who he was. And it was, uh, you know, that they were only available in the, in the Dominican, that it was an item that I really never thought I would ever see. And so that one, that one holds, you know, to be able to have one of those. And I actually have two of them now that that one holds a lot of, you know, special meaning. And then the other one is a 1988 card that was issued regionally in, in Ontario uh, during this time with the Blue Jays. And it was put out by uh, the fire department uh, up there. So, you know, firemen uh, would hand out, uh, you know, Blue Jays cards to kids, um, you know, and they, the Blue Jays did that for, for many years. Well, in 1988, they decided to go with a card that was uh, an oversized jumbo card, uh, like a four by six. And not only that, it, they created um, 
a version that was in English, and they also created a version that was only in French. And that was the only year that they produced the oversized card, and it was the only year they produced a French version uh, of the what's called the fire safety sets. And that French version I found about four years ago uh, and had been looking for it for over 30 years and had never seen one, had never had a chance to buy it, uh, you know, or anything like that. And so just, you know, being able to knock that one off the list, that one holds, you know, special meaning to me as well, because, you know, it was one of the older cards that took me the, you know, the longest amount of time to find. That's awesome. Yeah. Those, I, I lived up in Toronto um, for a few years and I have one of those fire safety sets from, I think it was the 20, 2013 season is, is the year that I've got that when I was up there, but yeah, they're pretty cool, but yeah, getting the the French only version after that many years, that is, is, is something special. So that's cool that that means a lot. Are there any of those kind of hard to find or more obscure cards that that you're still on the hunt for? If somebody out out in the audience is listening <laughs> and they and they have maybe some of these obscure McGriff cards, is there anything in particular that you're still hunting for that you would want them to reach out to to you about? Yeah, so from like a regional perspective, from from what I from what I know on my master list, there is one regional item. Uh, for and you know McGriff played for six teams, so he's got a lot of regions. Uh, but there is one regional item that I am still trying to track down and have not been able to find, and that's uh, the 1997 uh, Brian Braves uh, set, or you know the McGriff card in that set. And it was a stadium giveaway. You know Brian's the hot dog vendor um, at the time for the Braves. And they basically, you know, would hand out, uh, you know, a a set of, you know, all the Braves uh, during the season. And so similar to Toronto with the fire safety sets, the Braves had uh, a set program like this for many years. Uh, it started with a company called Likes, who was their original hot dog or the hot dog vendor in the kind of mid early to mid nineties. And, uh, and those can be tough to track down as well. Uh, I've been able to track down all of the likes versions. And then in 1997, they changed from likes to Brian and 1997 was uh, McGriff's last year with the Braves uh, and haven't been able to, you know, track it down uh, to this point. Um, haven't had a chance to buy it. Uh, I thought, I was close to a lead. Uh, a guy had listed on eBay some other uh, 1997 Braves, uh, Brian Braves, and I reached out to him to see um, if he had it. Uh, and he did have it at one point and sold it off eBay. So, mm. uh, you know, I never, never had a chance to get it. Um, so I'm still very much looking for that one. And the oldest card that I still need is a is a promo card and it's from uh, the 1996 Leaf Preferred Steel uh, cards. Um, that year they made promos of the silver and gold and there is a very rare uh, bronze promo uh, that was made that for the base set uh, in the parallel, they only uh, issued 
the silver and gold. They didn't they didn't issue the bronze at all. Uh, so uh, I've been trying to track down uh, that bronze promo uh, for for a long time as well. And those those are the two oldest cards I need. So those are the th- those are one and one a on my on the top of my list. What do your friends and family think about this? Do they understand this this desire and this love of of building this this McGriff collection? Uh, yeah, I I think uh. My my wife is great about it. She uh she doesn't you know give me any issue at all with it. Kind of the the collection kind of predates uh our marriage, so it kind of came with the package. Sure. <laughs> uh, but uh, now she she's very supportive of it. I think part of it's because as I pretty much have the collection you know confined to one room. Uh, it's not spread out all over the house or encroaching. Um, you know, all over the place or anything like that. Uh, but you know, if if there's if there's rare cards or anything like that, that you know, she's like, because uh, uh, recently, I think end of last year, uh, that 1990 scorecard uh, score promo card that I was uh, referring to earlier uh, finally popped up uh, on eBay after you know 33 years, um, and when it came up she was like oh yeah that's it you gotta go you gotta go hard after that you know don't let that get away so you know she's very supportive of that um my friends think i'm probably a little crazy um but you know they're 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 all for it as well so i think they kind of understand at least i hope they do well fred has been on the hall of fame border list for years and years. He was always right on that border. People would debate, should he be in or should he not be in? Well, this year he's finally going to be inducted. What does that mean to you? Uh, it was very emotional. Uh, I was surprised um, how emotional I got when it was announced that he was getting in. I, I think for for a while things you know, in that process had really worked against him. And, you know, I just thought that, you know, it was going, the same thing was going to happen again. You know, I thought that he had a better chance once he got to the veterans committee, uh, that it was actually going to happen. But once some of the delays uh, in the process started, uh, you know, during the pandemic and, you know, they didn't have a vote for a year and then, you know, coming off, that they ended up making some changes to the process, which made it a little bit harder. Going into it, I had, I, I'm pretty much a realist, so I, I wasn't letting my hopes get, uh, you know, up too much, uh, just because he had had such a difficult time, you know, on the writer's ballot. Uh, but once he, you know, once he got in, uh, it, it was very, very emotional for me. So I thought it was long overdue. Uh, I thought he should have been in years ago, but uh, just happy that he's in now. Have you had a chance to meet him? Uh, the only time I met him, um, I did a meeting meet and greet uh, with him at the 2019 National uh, when he was uh, there in Chicago. Did the little, you know, two minute meet and greet thing. And then the only, I mean, I got, I ended up getting his autograph uh, when he was with the Rays. I actually got it at the ballpark uh, here in Arlington uh, with the Rangers. 
Uh, but that's that's it. No extended conversations or anything like that. I'm not sure if he, is he on social media. Does he is he aware of your collection or anything like that? Uh, I don't believe that he is. I, I don't think that he's on social media, which would you know fit right in sure. uh, to to how he is. So I, I'm not surprised uh, by that at all. And I would guess that he's not aware uh, of this collection. Well, it is quite a collection. I I am impressed. Um, you know, there's some some big super collections out there, but the the focus and the dedication that you've got, you know, there's there's a you you deserve a lot of credit for the collection that you've built and are continuing to build. And, and I wish you the best of that. If somebody has some of those harder to find McGriff cards, or maybe they've got some of those lower serial numbered cards, where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, the best way is on Twitter. Uh, I go by McGriff Collector. Uh, so my, you know, I'm always available there. Uh, that account, we pretty much, I pretty much um, tweet out one card a day uh, from my collection. Uh, so, you know, basically just randomly select uh, an item from the day to tweet out and discuss. And so that's that's the best way to find me. Very cool. Well, Kenny, I really appreciate you spending a few minutes today talking about McGriff and talking about your McGriff collection. Well, thank you very much, Mike, for having me. And uh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, always, always glad to talk, uh, you know, about Fred McGriff. Well, I appreciate Kenny's willingness to join me for a conversation to learn about his Fred McGriff collection. Let me know what you think about this episode. Do you enjoy these Super Collector episodes? Are you a Super Collector or do you know one who I should be talking to for one of the next segments of this ongoing series? I would love to build that portfolio of additional guests to bring on to talk about their various Super Collections, whether it's sports, whether it's non-sports. I don't care. I just want to talk to other passionate collectors out there so that we can all learn the different ways that people collect and that people focus on this hobby that we all enjoy. Well, that is all I have for you today. Come on back next week for another great conversation. I'll catch you next time.